Hey, it's your boy, the Big Aristotle Shack, and this is the Prime Time Podcast from the Bros Who Think Network. Bitches. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Prime Time Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host, and today we're talking LSU versus Texas A&M as LSU looks to go 12 and 0 for only the second time in LSU history. Today I'm joined by two special guests. First, Josh Samoyne is joining us, and Mike Scarborough will be joining us in a little bit to preview the game. But first, Josh Samoyne, how are you doing today? I am doing good. Looking forward to a big game. Well, let's talk about last year's game, because that's where all of the energy and you know player uh, interviews have been this week. LSU obviously has a lot of uh, emotion towards this game, but then you see like Kellen Mond's comments about it at SEC Media Days. Look, LSU lost that game 74-72. There's the rings with the score. There's the cups. There's a painting in Jimbo Fisher's offense. How much is that going to play into this uh, this year's game? And what were your, just some of your thoughts from last year's game? Because last year's game was really, look, LSU scored 74 points, right? And yeah. we all know what the final score was. But if you look at it before then, it was still a high-scoring game, right? Look, this game goes into seven overtimes. But at the end of the day, it was, you know, LSU's got a shot to, you know, show that they are starting to evolve on offense, and that's kind of what we got out of that game. Yeah, when you know, when you look at that last year, that was, I mean, if you listen to what Joe was talking about in some of his press conferences this week, I think you, he, you know, you point back to that game as kind of when LSU started to really hit their groove on offense, and you've seen it in the bowl game as well. Joe brought that up. He really kind of thought that was when they found themselves. And yeah, I mean, you could point, look at all the points is to me, it was one of them games I was watching Joe and going, wow, this guy, he's different. I didn't know how this year was going to play out. I just knew he was a gamer after that, even though we, that LSU lost, I just knew like, man, this kid's got a special touch to him and he, he's just a difference maker. You know, he's man, he's special. So kind of left you kind of hanging and excited for this year. And obviously we've seen what he's done through the first 11 games. Um, what, you know, there's a lot of emotion going into this game, Charles. And like you mentioned, there's, there's a lot of thought going into this from all the situation that happened last year. I think LSU is going to tunnel that information. I think they're going to use it, you know, properly. The only thing that spooks me about the game just a little bit is if they're overhyped, almost like an Auburn sense. It's that they, you know, they, they want it too much. Cause I know, the fan base wants it bad. I know the players want it bad. I just hope they're not overhyped and over-pursuing and, you know, pressing too much. Um, Coach O does a good job of not letting that happen, so I, I don't foresee that happening. But that would be my just my only concern. Uh, but, I, you know, LSU is going to be prepared for this, Charles. We've been, we've been probably keying on this game, Charles, just as much as the Alabama game this year. And that's rare for an LSU fan. So I know the – the fan base and uh, another players are ready to get this one underway. Would like to welcome our other guest today as Mike Scarborough is joining us. Y'all can find him on Twitter at Scarborough. Mike, Mike, how you doing this evening? Hey, good to be with you. Just uh, fighting uh, tra- uh, Baton Rouge traffic. Uh, <laughs> people getting off work and holiday traffic. Yeah, that's like the uh, the ultimate uh, just crap show in Baton Rouge is when you have all that coming together. The traffic has been horrendous uh, past couple of days, but. 
look, we're looking at this game on Saturday. A&M's coming in after last year's victory uh, over LSU. There's a lot of emotion going into this game. It was one of those games where we saw an explosion offensively from LSU, and it seems like ever since it's just kept rolling along. I mean, do you expect this to be a high-scoring game on both sides? I do. Uh, you know, I wonder how many points uh, Texas A&M will score, and I think they will score some. Obviously, LSU's defense is, um, you know, giving up points and yards, but it, uh, you know, a big part of that is the fact that they're on the game, they're on the field for two thirds of a game. Um, but you know, I wonder again if LSU wins the toss, if Coach Orgeron will will elect to, to receive, which I've been wondering all year long if that would be the case. Or why weren't they having that debate? And I keep saying I'm going to go back and chart, you know, first series, third quarter, uh, you know, what LSU's done on offense when they've had the ball uh, versus first series of the first quarter. And um, Mm. uh, just off the top of my head, I tend to think first series, first quarter, they've been a lot more, uh, uh, scored more points than they have on the first series of a third quarter. So in that regard, it makes sense. Particularly, particularly if the, if the defense, if LSU's defense, uh, is, is continues to play the, the way they have played, but you know I tend to give the LSU defense a bit of a of a mulligan due to uh, you know some of the missing pieces, some of the injuries, um, but now you, you're kind of to the point where you've got most everybody back, you know, except for Divinity. Um, you know, I don't know what percentage uh, Delp it is. Um, but you know, that defense, I, I think, I think, you know, after last night and getting dropped to number two in the playoff and they're saying it's because LSU is not a complete team. Uh, I wonder what that does to the psyche of the defense uh, room, uh, uh, to be portrayed that way. It, it's gotta be very motivating. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, and something I want to ask, like Josh and I talked about this after last week was the play of Mo Hampton being able to play that deep safety allowed the guy like Jacoby Stevens to play closer to the line. We all know that's where Grant Delpit exceeds. Do you think maybe we could see some three safety sets this weekend where they do have the ability to move Grant Delpit closer to the line? You know, that's a, a good question. I, I'm not sure, um, but you got to like the fact that Maurice Hampton came in and played so well. Um, I, you know, you obviously need him and everybody you can uh, to be – Get, continue to get reps and be able to rotate them in. Um, I don't think this game's going to be anything like last year, um, but I, I do think that it's still going to be a, a game where there's a lot of points scored. Um, you, what's the over-under right now? Has that moved? Ooh, let me look it up right now. But, I, I mean, it, you know, it, obviously it's in LSU's favor. I, I think that this is one of those games where LSU can cover, but I, I always think that, you know, when it comes to a bigger point spread against a quality team like A&M, it all depends on how the momentum is swinging at the end of the game. Yeah, I um, I, I just think, again, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, is going to have another big game. Um, what he's been doing down the stretch for LSU has just been uh, uh, amazing. He gets And he's getting more confident. I mean, some of those holes last week were amazing that he was running through. Um there was one of his big runs where it looked like two or three people could have walked through it, standing side by side, uh, holding hands. Um, and that, and, and think about that with that offensive. You know, think back to what we were talking about preseason as to what the biggest question mark of the team was, and how quickly that got reversed to saying it, we we all thought it was the offensive line was the 
the only question mark. And it, it, it was real quick, even with the Sadiq Charles situation and, and Deculus being out here and there, uh, that the defensive line became the question mark. Uh, that offensive line has just really come together. And, I, and of course, a lot of it has to do with the scheme and, and Joe Burrow and, and getting rid of the ball quick. Um, but what they've done down the stretch to open up the running game, is they, they, need, they, they should get a lot of credit. Yeah, no, look, I agree with you there. I, I think the offensive line has played really well this year, especially when you have Sadiq playing in this game. Josh, looking at this game, how big is offensive line play going to be for LSU against a team like A&M who, looking at Alabama game, both backs for Alabama averaged five yards a carry. Maybe this gives an opportunity to let Clyde Edwards-Hilaire have a big game again, maybe get Ty Davis some carries and, and take advantage of A&M's defense who – has been okay against stopping the run, but has still been able to be gashed. Yeah, look, if you listen to Mike, he makes he he makes a great point about the offensive line. Just uh, Mike, we had that conversation just the other day, right, Charles? We were talking about what were we talking about before the season? Absolutely, the offensive line. If we can get offensive line play, LSU is going to be going to be a contender, and we've absolutely got that. Um, it's going to be important for this game, like Mike was saying with, with Clyde. Not only in the running game, the way we keep continuing to use a short passing game, you know, as the running game, uh, I think that's going to be important again. And you really do see Clyde and Joe, just the comfort level, you know, has exploded over the last, say, month, maybe five weeks. It's been it's been something beautiful to watch. So I think, again, you use that running game, you use that short passing game to keep these guys on their heels and once you know, when you get those guys focusing in on Clyde, you get those guys focusing in on on the RPO stuff. That's when you it's when you hit a chase over the top. So uh, the running game will be important again. It's, it has been all year, but you know LSU's running game is truly hitting its stride now. You know, for all the talk about Emory, for all the talk about you know the five star kids coming in. I mean, it's just been an amazing to watch Clyde. You know what he's done. And, you know, just some of the numbers he's put up, it's comparable to some of these other, you know, big time seasons that these these backs have had over the last 10 years. Yeah. Well, and now we're 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 talking about because of what Clyde is doing, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 there's a real debate to be had. And, and of course, you know, people, it's, you know, people don't want to think about it. But I mean, he's going to have a real tough decision about whether to come back for his senior year. His stock is so high right now. I. I don't know that coming back for his senior year uh, really does him any good. Uh, that schedule certainly gets tougher next year. Uh, you're not going to have Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, you got to think that the offense will still be strong and can be prolific. Uh, but you know, it's it's reasonable to to say that it won't be as prolific as, as it is right now. Right. And so, you know, and then you know, plus he's a running back. You know, uh, you, you you've got a, a certain amount of lifespan. Uh, you know, on average, um, I, I just think he's done himself so much uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a favor with this season. And I think Justin Jefferson is going to be in that same boat. I think both those guys, it's going to be interest, interesting to see, even if they get a grade that maybe uh, you, you, most of the time you would say, well, you, you should come back. Uh, I, I don't know that because of those guys, you know what they are, you know, you know who they are does it necessarily benefit them to come back for a senior year? And, and, and I think with the talent that LSU's got coming behind them, they can absorb it. Uh, but it, I, I'm, I'm personally happy for Clyde, having covered him since uh, at Catholic High, 
you know, seeing him at camps and combines and everybody was looking at him and, you know, uh, you know, he's the short guy, doesn't have the great 40, this and that, doesn't have the vertical. And uh, he's just so dangerous in these new modern offenses. There's multiple places in the NFL where he could have a ton of success, uh, not just the Saints, uh, New England and, and others. Yeah, look, we actually talked about that, uh, I think, yeah. in our last part of the pod before. Like, we think Clyde has to leave after this season in terms of draft stock. There's no way or nowhere where I can see it exceeding what it is, especially if LSU uh, wins a championship this season. That's a wave that he should ride, right? Yeah, no, look, real, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Mike. No, I, I'm like, oh, who, someone was, and, and, and I, I, you know, because of what I do on a Saturday and how early I get to a stadium, I try to watch as much football as I can during the day, but I'm certainly mostly glued to SEC games. You know, looking around the, the country, country, obviously Wisconsin's running back, and you know, but in the SEC, what who 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 is uh, right there with Clyde Edwards-Helaire, or who who would you pick above him right now? I mean, Najee Harris obviously is is a uh, is an, a heck of an athlete and, and a specimen, uh, but as far as production and all-purpose yards, uh, receiving, rushing, uh, I mean, and, and I'm thinking mostly. Yeah, I mean, picking all SEC, your first team running back. Who who goes ahead of Clyde? I, I mean, Kylan Hill would be the only guy that has an argument right now. You know, maybe a De- uh, yeah. DeAndre Swift. It, you know, it's between those three guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm taking Clyde over all of them. No, I'm absolutely taking Clyde over him just in the sense that he fits the spread offense. He fits what you're trying to do. I like Kylan Hill. I do think Kylan Hill is going to be an NFL caliber back. But he needs to fit into an offense, and I just, you know, he needs to. But Clyde gives you so much of the versatility that some of these other running backs don't. And you watch Colin Hill catch the football out the backfield; he can do it, but it looks ugly a lot of times. Clyde makes it look so easy. So yeah, be hard for me not to choose Clyde as that number one running back. Well, yeah, it, it's uh, there's there's a lot of there, you know, uh, there's so many storylines to play out here. It's going to be a crazy. You know, between uh, the playoff uh, committee uh, the, the, and jockeying for position uh, this weekend, I mean, what, what what could happen to get that blown up? If uh, you know Michigan pulls an upset, uh, I was talking to a Ohio State guy today uh, before I talked to you guys, and you know, uh, what if uh, I, I you know I've been picking Auburn to beat Alabama since uh, LSU beat Auburn. I, I just and now without Tua. Um, and, I, and I think Auburn absolutely has to have this game. Um, uh, but, it, it, you know, the, so the rest of the way, it's like, you know, last night you're, you're, everybody's uh, LSU fans are upset about uh, Ohio State jumping them. And so I'm talking to my Ohio State guy, and, we're, and I'm fighting. We're, we're, we're tossing around the scenarios. <laughs> as if Ohio State number, stays number one, what, under what scenario would they choose to play in Atlanta? And I'm looking at LSU scenarios, and despite having the big alumni base in Atlanta, um, you know, depending on who who your your opponent is, um, if your opponent is 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 a Clemson um, or or uh, or an Alabama, if LSU gets back to number one, um, you know, if you're Ohio State and your opponent's Clemson because you're it's a two three, if LSU jumps back. It's like I see more scenarios where it makes sense for Ohio State and LSU to choose to play in Arizona in the first round 
but I, you know, I know a lot of people don't see it that way. Um, no, I, look, I agree with you, and, just, and that's the advantage of number one, right? Is you get to choose where you go. Yeah, but you know, I, I think most people think well because of the alumni base in in Atlanta. Um, but you know, what's the likelihood of, of Clemson or or, or uh, Clemson fans or Alabama fans scooping up more of the at-large tickets that are available in the Atlanta area over LSU people? You're getting on a plane. You're getting on a plane, and and you're going to Arizona. Uh, who cares? Uh, what what uh, I, I say? I say go. I say go to Arizona for a first round if you have the choice. No, yeah. Look, I I couldn't agree with you more there. I, I I've been you know champion go to Arizona, and, and you know the crazy thing is, and let's get into that conversation of the CFP last night and how they move LSU down. I mean, I look, I heard Heather Dinich on this week with Moscona. I've heard people talk about it all week, and besides Joe Clatt and people that are championing the Big Ten, no one thought Ohio State should jump LSU, but they do, and, and that brings in a question. You know, even if LSU beats a Georgia. Do they jump them? And more so, if LSU loses to Georgia in a close game, you know, last week we were thinking they would still be in at probably number four. But if that happens now, does that mean LSU could be entirely out of the playoff? That for me or Josh? And that's for both of y'all, either one. <laughs> go ahead, Mike. You can go first. Go no, Josh, you go ahead. Yeah. Uh, see, that's that's the big issue I have with it. A lot of people that, you know, they see me on Twitter like, Josh, why, why are you – you know, why are you making a deal out of this? Because we just talked about one point, you know, you get to choose where you play. And the other point is LSU, let's say LSU loses to Georgia. You know, do we get knocked out? Do you know, are we sitting there at number five when it's all said and done? Um, you know, well, LSU needs to keep winning and they'll be fine. That's what I hear. You know what? I, I get that, but LSU could lose, you know, Hey, you know, that that's a possibility. So, for Ohio State to be moved to number one, it just sits wrong with me. Any way I look at it, any way I can, I can process it in my head, uh, it's just, it just doesn't add up to me. I'm not, I have nothing against Ohio State. I think they're a quality program, got quality players. Uh, you know, it's, it's nothing like that. But for me, you went in, you, had, you, you beat four top ten teams. The way you did it, you arguably had the best player in college football, you know, at, at quarterback. It's just I can't process it. Then you look at the AP voters. It's so heavy on LSU's side. So for the committee to do that, you know, I heard the con you know conspiracy theorists. Well, they want LSU to play here, want to play there. I think it's important not only for not only for LSU and where they're going to be. I think it's important to me for the players to. It's you know LSU should be sitting at number one in in my opinion. What you think, Mike? Yeah, I, I you know I, I get that if if you're worried that if LSU loses to Georgia that they could get uh, somehow get screwed and not be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that, that, that is a doomsday scenario. I think, you know, the, 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 regardless, unless Utah gets in somehow, if, but unless Utah gets in, if it's not Utah, regardless, one through four, you're going to have somebody salty to play. Right. No, you're <laughs> yeah, absolutely I mean, right about you're, that, yeah. I mean, it's like I, I see some people saying, "Well, I don't, we don't want to. I want to play Clemson in the first round." Or I don't. No, okay. Well, do, do you want to play Alabama second time? If they get in back door, right? Uh, and and the, and the committee is jockeying for position. Uh, you know, is, is there a scenario when they they're behind closed doors with a reason for uh, you know, um, you know, all of a sudden they say, "Okay, well, 
uh, LSU beats Georgia, but somehow uh, Alabama uh, is sitting there, and they put, you know, are they making it so uh, they can move things around so it'll be a one-four, and they can eliminate a, a one of the two SEC schools, um, you know, so there's not an all-SEC final. I mean, there's so many conspiracy theories to, yep. that you can come up with with this whole thing, but um, I, I I can see some upsides of not being number one. I can see. Uh, uh, and I can see some downsides, um, but it, it, if it, it if the if it tr- holds true to form, you're going to play somebody that uh, that's scary no matter what, unless Utah gets in. And if Utah gets in and you're number one, you're 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 very happy. Uh, you're LSU and you're picking Atlanta, and you go ahead and play Utah there. Um, but if it, uh, if if it's uh, you know if you're playing Clemson in the first round. Uh, or your or, or it's one your number one and you're playing Alabama for a second time. I mean, what kind of poison is that? Even without Tua, who would you rather play, Clemson or or Alabama with the revenge factor and and, and having uh, uh, deja vu nightmares from 2011? Yeah, I know, Mike. And that was, that's a good point because I had somebody ask me that. Well, I think we could beat Bama. You know, I, we've already we've already played him. I think we could beat him. I said, man, hold on a second. You know, Nick Saban, he don't lose twice in, in the same year. I'd have to go look up this. But I don't think Nick Saban's ever lost twice to the same team in one year. I mean, he's just, you know, he's good at what he does. He's one of the greatest college coaches ever. So, yeah, I don't like that scenario as much as I think LSU matches up against Clemson really well. I, I truly believe that LSU matches up better. I, I wouldn't want to play Alabama again. I do think LSU would probably win that game just because I think we're more complete team this year. But, yeah, I wouldn't want that scenario. Yeah, it, it, but it, it's – there's – you know, that, that revenge factor. And mm-hmm. when you're a team like Alabama and you, you're thinking about the aftermath of, of losing Al, uh, LSU and what their community felt like, and, uh, boy, that, that, uh, that, that's a uh, – op- and the opportunity to get even, boy, that, that's, that, that, that is such a, a, an advantage for them. But – but either way, you know what this all boils down to, and, and I, I, I keep saying it over and over, is this, uh, I, 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 I have a disdain for the playoffs, and, and I don't like it, and, and uh, I have a, a longing for the BCS. The, the, the BCS got it right. This, I, I don't think this playoffs, uh, all it has done is created more controversy, and it's ruined the other bowl games. Yeah, look, I'll, yeah, I'll say this about that real quick. Point. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I will say this. I was a kind of – I wouldn't say I was a champion for the playoffs, but I was like, you know, I get it. And I actually liked the BCS. I thought it was it was a good situation. The computers did it. But, man, now since we've been in this playoff a little while, it really has taken away some of the lore and some of the, you know, for these other bowl games. I'm starting to definitely not like it. I thought I would like oh, it a little more. All, yeah. All the, junior, all the juniors making a decision about whether they should play or not because you're, you're playing in the Citrus yeah. or the Outback Bowl. Right. I mean, it's ruined those. It's it, it, it's uh, it, the bowls have become throwaways because of the playoffs. No, I I agree, Mike. I can see now when I was looking at that situation, I said, man, I think it'd be good for us. But boy, when you look at it now, and it's a human factor. Even myself, I'm like, ah, it's just I don't even have the same feel watching the bowl games. Yeah, so I agree with that, Mike. The playoffs have really made the bowls not not what they once were. Because yeah, right now, right now we should be talking about uh, what Brad Edwards is predicting. And uh, it's LSU and Ohio State and playing in New Orleans most likely. That's that's what we yeah. should be talking about. Not not uh, 
you know, uh, Ronnie Lott and, and, you know, how much foot, college football does he even watch? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I look, my, my, uh, you know, it's like I went, what was funny was I watched his, uh, uh, his, uh, what's the, uh, football life on NFL yeah. Network. I watched, I watched that two or three nights before I actually went to the college football playoffs, uh, uh, uh website and to look at who was on the committee. And when I saw him, cause you know, I mean, man, I'm like, man, I, I don't, you know, part of me was like, you know, is, is, uh, you know, how, how on the uptake is he and, and all them hits that he took, is there something going <laughs> on there? And then he's on the, and he's on the committee. Right, right. Look, I'm not telling Ronnie Lott nothing, Mike. Okay, that's the one guy I'm not picking. No, I'm not, on, I can tell you that. No, but I mean, some of these athletic, some of these athletic directors that are on there, I'm like, man. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I, I like the BCS, and and I and, um, you know, if you're gonna do anything from here on out, if you're not gonna go back, if that, if there's no ever going back to that. Then, then you're making a case for a six or eight team playoff, and maybe there's like a play-in game for for your, you know, your five and six teams. I, I don't know, but right. or uh, eight teams. But I, I just this this is uh this is crazy, and and um you know I don't know what Oklahoma's thinking whether they can get back in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking to my Ohio State guy today, he he's just hoping for for big time that Georgia can get in. Because uh, if if they stay number one, he would love. Uh, they're they're confident that they would just stomp Georgia uh, in a in a first round. Oof, I don't know about that. But yeah. it, it, you know the interesting thing about it too, and this is a discussion that we need to revisit, especially after this week, because the conversation about Alabama, there's so much unknown. The same with Clemson, right? Who has Clemson pay, uh, played this year? A Texas A and M team that LSU plays this weekend. Uh, but with Alabama, it's what can they do with a new quarterback? And you won't know that until the Iron Bowl, uh, Iron Bowl is over this weekend. And, and even with LSU, is where does LSU remain? What if Ohio State loses this week? I know, Mike, you've probably seen it on Twitter. I haven't seen it all week. I want to take Josh's money because he thinks Michigan's going to beat Ohio State. Is that a real possibility? You know, I, I'm, I'm like, okay, do we really want that? Like, you're, 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 you're thinking about what, what do you need for LSU to get number one? But if Ohio, how far does Ohio State drop if they lose? Ooh, not as much as much as the media likes them, Mike. Probably to number two, but but uh, they're probably no, number four. Number you know? four, I'm Three, guessing, Mike. Four. Yeah, probably number four. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I kind of think that you know, unless they get blown out, you know, I, which I don't see happening. Um, I don't know. You're just kind of shuffling the pieces. That's why I'm kind of like. If you know LSU's getting in no matter what, uh, you know, like I said, unless Utah is, is one of the four teams, I don't think I, I don't think the destination or who you're playing matters. I mean, it, they're all – you're all – those are all teams that I think you're nervous about. Right. You can make a case for so – if, 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 if so if Ohio State loses and uh, to Michigan – and then LSU moves to number one, and all of a sudden LSU's playing Ohio State in the semifinal game. Well, or would you rather be number two, LSU playing playing Clemson in the semifinal game? Yeah. Well, what's worse? It, it, it's, again, you're, you're, you're it, to me, it's, it, so then if you're getting to that point, just like, man, who cares whether you're one, two, three, or four, as long as you're in. Right. 
No, I understand that point. You, you can, Absolutely, yeah. You can make a case for, uh, you know, depending on uh, who it is, uh, you know, uh, I'm thinking more and more, like I said, when we first start talking, that, man, if, if you have the choice, go to Arizona. If you're if you're playing a team, uh, an ACC Clemson or a, or a, um, you know, an Alabama uh, uh, in, in the in the first round, um, make make them go out west and and especially since you've already played in Atlanta for the SEC title game, uh, make them go out west and and say the hell with, uh, you know, making a big event and an, an easier drive. It to me it's all about jockeying for position to make sure. Uh, you're, you're giving yourself the best chance possible to get your uh, butt to New Orleans. Yep. And look, and the seating matters, everything matters, but it, look, this is a discussion, Mike, we need to have you back on in a couple of weeks because this is a great discussion that I think we can talk about for hours, honestly. But let's go back to this A&M game because I think that this A&M game is important uh, for LSU in terms of seeding, right? If LSU plays well against A&M, then you have that discussion piece because right now the committee is looking at, oh, look, LSU gave up all these yards to Ole Miss in the second half after the game was already won. Oh, look at the score from Arkansas. You know, it might have been 56-6, but it was 56-20 <clears throat> at the end of the day. So this A&M game, I think, is important for LSU's discussion moving forward. And, and looking at this, LSU, this LSU A&M game, I think a guy like Kellen Mond is really important in this game. Uh, a guy who's had a, a pretty good season, you know, and he's not touching Joe Burrow numbers, but for the season, he's six, about 64% completion percentage, and he's throwing about 7.3 uh, per pass attempt, 19 touchdowns and six interceptions. You saw in that A&M game last year, uh, he had a really good game, really big reason why they, uh, why they won. But I think the bigger reason why they won and the bigger reason why they were in that game was a guy like Travion Williams, who's not there this year. How impactful is that for this game to not have a guy like Williams in the backfield for A&M? Yeah, I, I, I talked to Olin Buchanan with Tex-Ags uh, yesterday and um, uh, for a, a, a Q&A that I'm about to post on Tiger Bay. And, um, you know, he brought that up and he, he's um, – and he, he thinks that, that that's, uh, you know, something that, that they're missing. But I, I, he, he, he really is um, – Worried about uh, Claude Edwards Hilaire. I think he's the way they see it is 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 it's a lot like um, I, I think they're going to score some points with what they have. They've got other weapons, um, but it all boils down to what can their defense do. And he thinks their corners are at a real uh, are, are really at a big disadvantage against LSU. And you know what corners in the country aren't at a disadvantage against Chase. Uh, and Marshall and and um, Jefferson and, and McMath coming in and doing things, and um, then you get Moss on, on linebackers. It, it's, um, I, I, but I what I do think bring going back to A and M's off uh, offense uh, to what I was saying earlier when when they're when LSU drops the number two and they're explaining it's because LSU's not a complete team. What, what do you think that uh, is going through Dave Aranda's head and all those defensive players on the LSU side of the ball? You know, you know, how much more are they are they looking at their iPads uh, this evening after practice and and uh, when they're laying around the apartments uh, beyond the football field, you know, doing everything that they can do 
uh, to really want to have a, a really strong defense performance to say, oh, yeah. Um, you know, and look, uh, say what you want about Texas A&M. They won four of their last five football games, and they have the toughest schedule in the country. They, they are a good football team. that have gotten better as the season has gone on, and, and they're, and they're going to be – and they're, they're very optimistic about what they'll have for next year. So um, they would love nothing more, uh, A&M, uh, to beat LSU two years in a row and to, and to spoil this season. And, um, but I also think it was so, so obvious in that post game with, uh, there was no talking about, we're going to enjoy this one 24 hour rule. I mean, it wasn't long in every single one of those interviews or Ron at the, at the podium, Burrow at the podium where they were all talking about A&M and last year, uh, they've had this one circled for a while. So, uh, that can work for you. Um, but it can also be where they're over in college station watching those post game videos. And it's motivating for them as well. Now, yeah, Mike, it's it's a bunch of really good points. Uh, before you came on, we brought up some of that. I was I was mentioning to Charles about you know having the energy and focus. The only thing that spooks me a little bit is the possibility, kind of like they did at Auburn, Mike, where they came out a little overhyped. You know that energy wasn't necessarily used properly. I think Coach O learned from that Auburn situation, and I, I don't expect that to happen twice. But I do think you make a good point, and Mike, I made this point about after the Ole Miss game, is that I think they can use this slip into number two, all this national talk. I mean, get on Twitter, man. Get, I mean, people literally think LSU has the worst defense in the country if you read, you know, read some of these uh, headlines and stuff. So I think they see that, Mike. I know they see that, Mike. And I, I think you're going to see an LSU defense who has NFL talent, first-round picks, second-round picks on it, I think in the long run, as much as I don't like seeing it and people don't like reading it, I think this might help LSU in the long run, just like Ole Miss. You've seen them come out against Arkansas, Mike, and, and you, they play with more energy. They play with more – they wanted to prove that they could stop the run. So uh, I think it, it could be a positive that the defense is getting called out by everybody in the national media and they slip to number two because we know LSU's got studs on defense. I, I immediately was last night and, and, you know, not being a homer, I'm thinking about, okay, what, what, let's, let's look at the, uh, the, this might actually be a good thing for LSU. Now, if you, if you got, if you're a national pundit and, and you're from the Midwest and, and, um, and I, and I, and I, I think I, I really like Joe Klatt, but he was beating that Ohio state drum already last Saturday before LSU even played. Of course that was, you know, I mean, let's be honest. That LSU defense performance against Ole Miss. If you watch that, I mean, that was that was darn rough to to watch. You're right. And look, I've been critical of LSU's defensive line. I, I um, there's some good players there, but you know, uh, where is there really some difference makers there? Hmm. I, I think Shelvin has gotten better and, and continues to get better, and and the, um, you know, you know, has Chase all lived up to to the hype? Um, you know, I think Logan at times look like looks like LSU's best defensive lineman. Um, but is there is is there a, is there multiple difference makers there? And then, of course, you know, if they're not getting pressure on opposing quarterback, you know, then all of a sudden you start making guys like Delpit and Stingley and Fulton look average because they're having to guard uh, receivers a lot longer than they than they need to be because you're not getting any pressure up the middle or off the edge, particularly off the edge. You know, that's why you're talking about, you know, Stevens and, and 
you know, and others, you know, uh, making sacks. Well, you're needing those guys yep. to, to make sacks, but you're not getting it from your defensive front seven. No, nah, yeah, Mike, you know, when you turn the film on, it's – you know, it's unfortunate because LSU has so much talent, but, man, they just can't get a pass rush. Me and Charles talk about this week in and week out. Even after Arkansas. I mean, Even after was, Arkansas, right. That was, that was the first comments we made is, look, we have to talk about one thing first, and that's even against Arkansas, LSU wasn't able to get a pass rush with four down linemen. And at this point in the season, even with Chase on, you know, you expected so much this year coming off of that ACL. And look, against Alabama, against Texas, he's had big games. But it hasn't been consistent to the point that you can expect to get pressure with your four down linemen. So we almost have to look past that at that point and expect a safety to come into play and sack a quarterback. I mean, look at Arkansas. Stevens has three sacks. He leads the team with five. And you expected that position at the defensive line to get better, but it just hasn't come along. And this could be a game where the defensive line needs to have an impact. You know, I, I, I really like the way Shelvin has turned things around to where it was, you know, uh, the midway point of last season. And like I said, I think he's getting better every week. Um, you know, it's one thing to, to look at him and say, you know, I, I, I'll just say this. When you, when you win the SEC, which LSU's on pace to do it, you're up for a lot of awards. You usually have the most members of your, you know, your starters on all SEC teams. When you look at LSU's defensive line, who on LSU's defensive front will be a first or second team all SEC member? Maybe Shelvin. Is there anybody? Maybe Shelvin. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Right. You know, so that and and um. You know, and that's why we, you know, when we talk about recruiting, that's why, you know, LSU's got uh, big numbers there and, and guys uh, that they hope to bring in the fold, uh, you know, big timers up the, uh, you know, defensive line and, and, and right. edge rushers. Um, that's why they want such a big class because that, that whole position really has to be rebuilt. Yeah, Mike, you're, you're absolutely right. When I get a lot of questions about the recruiting side, why is LSU going so heavy with so many defensive linemen? So, yeah, Mike, you said it. Uh, you know, I don't like putting it out there, but LSU needs to rebuild that. It's they're, they're just they're just not getting pressure. Chase on, I think he ha he's spotty. Mike, it reminds me of Sam Montgomery. He shows up for some of the big games, and then he completely disappears for some. So, yeah, that's that's a, a position that if LSU wants to continue to be a con you know a contender nationally, they're good. That's why they went out and got all these defensive linemen in, in these recruiting classes. Yeah, look, and if you're LSU, you're like, okay, look. Yeah, yeah, this is what we'll have returning next year, and, and great for LSU. Uh, I'm not, I'm not throwing anybody away that's going to be a returnee. Right. But if the offense, if the offense is even, let's say, eighty percent as prolific or seventy-five percent as prolific next year with a new quarterback, um, you know, and and some new faces, um, you know, you, you, you still you're going to love the fact that if your defense is going to be on the field. Uh, you know, still a significant number of minutes than, you, than you'd like, that you're going to be able to rotate some freshmen that actually have a lot of talent along with what you have returning. You need those bodies, and you need them to be capable. That's that's what the sell job's been in recruiting. Those guys, Jaquel and uh, Roy and, and Jacoby and Guillory, and, yep. um, you know, those guys know that, you know, yeah, they're, 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 they've got a real opportunity to play significantly uh, is a true freshman, and and Ojalari, 
Uh, we'll see what happens with Webb and Jordan Birch and right. Um, you know, they're, they're, those guys are all needed. Uh, I, you know, Ali Gay. I'm, I'm, go look at his film some more. Uh, they think he's going to be a beast. I think all those guys have opportunities. Yeah, no doubt. Let's look at this game and, and flip it and, and look at LSU's defense. Like we're, we're talking about them a lot right now, but I, I want us to take it from the perspective of A&M. A&M right now is averaging 159 on the ground, 260 through the air. And LSU's defense early in the season, people were saying, oh, throw against them. Look at what uh, Sam Ellinger did against them against Texas. And look what Kellen Ma, uh, not Kellen Ma, but, um, but Tua did against them for the Alabama game. But then the last two weeks, people have been saying, will run the ball against LSU. If you're A&M and you're going to win this game, where do you attack this defense? And, and what does A&M have to do to beat LSU? I think, I think you try to run the ball, and I, and I, and I think, you know, you, 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 know, you, you want to get Mond out on the move. Um, I think you want to have some design runs for him, uh, just like uh, Ole Miss did. And, of course, LSU prepared for that because uh, they know that, that that's probably coming. Oh, but I mean, look, they, they, they've got to have some successful drives and they can't turn the ball over in order to beat LSU bottom line. And, um, you know, we keep waiting for it. You know, everything is Joe Burrow, the bottom line, the whole, the whole game is Joe Burrow. Um, the reason why I just, you can, I can't fathom LSU coming out and having a bad game is because Joe Burrow is such a perfectionist and he won't allow it. And I, and I, so they need to have something happen with Joe Burrow that isn't going to happen. I, I just don't see A&M beating LSU. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, I, I agree. You know, that's it, something. It's as lousy as the defense can be. Let's say they play like they did for most of the Ole Miss game. Mm-hmm. I still don't see them beating LSU. And the thing about LSU's defense is you don't – look, it's – kind of like the Saints defense in 2009, you wanted to create a turnover. You want to get that one advantage, that one up on the opposing offense where you can win by seven or three points because that's how good this offense is, is no one's stopping them. Auburn couldn't stop them. Florida couldn't stop them. Uh, look, Alabama couldn't stop them. So you're not worried about being stopped on our offense being stopped. It's just can the defense get that one or two stops, that one or two three and out, which, look, this LSU defense is actually in the top half of the SEC in terms of three and out uh, defense or three and out uh, series for this season. So you have to be comfortable with where the defense is. Look, it's not a top 25 elite defense, but it's a, a defense that fits this offense well. It, it stops the opposing team enough drives to give LSU an advantage. And that's where I think LSU can win this game. Yeah, look, I'll, yeah, and. and- no, I, I just, I, I, you know, I, I, I talk about personnel and, and defense, LSU's defensive line and, you know, how that position has to get better in the future. Um, but then I also want to flip it around and say, boy, you know, they, they've got a monumental task because of the time of possession, how quick that offense scores and what's being asked of them, you know, um, you know, like last week, LSU gets a big lead and Miles Brennan comes in but you look on the defensive side of the ball and look at how many starters were still in there. Well, why is that? Because LSU doesn't have numbers and they've had injury issues. No, Mike, that's, yeah, no. That's, you're, if you listen you're to asking for a lot, You're asking for a lot of those defensive players, and so you, you have to give them, there's some mulligans to be handed their way. Yeah, I think we, we lose track of that, Mike, sometimes on, 
you know, I bring this up to Charles early in the season when I when you could tell LSU committed to this offense. It's like Oregon years back when they when they went to this offense, they had to completely overhaul their defense to play alongside that offense that was so fast moving. So I think LSU's still adjusting to that, Mike. And I, I truly believe this offseason, you'll probably see Coach O kind of come with, hey, how do we get these guys a little more rest, more rotation? That's why it's key. We talk about have these freshmen coming in on the defensive line. We really need more guys in a rotation for this defense. I think next year, like you said, you have more fresh bodies rotating in, having, you know, kind of how LSU was year past oh, yeah. when we go, we go two and three deep. We don't go two and three deep like we used to. So it's coming. It's coming. You know, a couple of years from now we will. Coach O's, he's building, well, he's building these guys back up. No, and, and that is the advantage of LSU being the hot, sexy team right now. Mm-hmm. That because you know that, one, you're able to recruit nationally and you, you're the hot team and, and all these high-profile kids that normally years pass in recent years before Orgeron and this, this success, where, you know, I always had the question, when is LSU going to be able to go out of state and go up against Clemson and Alabama and win a recruiting battle? for a top 100 kid. Well, they're doing it now, and they're doing it in, in, multiple, in, in multiple positions. Well, you have to have that happen because uh, partic- you, you cannot you cannot absorb the, the misses, particularly on defense, because you need every one of those defensive spots to count because you need to be able to legitimately rotate players because your starters, are all, you can't have them out there that long. You've got to be uh, if you're going to have an offense that's going to be so prolific. You you got to have every scholarship guy that you bring in a class, and not where you're saying, well, this guy could be a guy. He's a bit of a project. Maybe in year two or three, he could be a guy for us. No, you need you need to have a darn good idea that um, you're going to have a hard time convincing him uh, that that uh, he's not getting as many reps as he's supposed to as a freshman because he's that good. Uh, you need to be able to say that about all of them. Yeah, and look, LSU could be winning a recruiting battle against Clemson for the number two overall player. Uh, it's something that we'll find out in a couple of weeks. But, you know, you, you look at this the stat you brought up, Mike. LSU has scored 53 out of their 68 touchdowns in three minutes or less. I mean, you have to think about what that does to a defense. And, and, I, and people are saying, oh, look, the defense was tired, stuff like that. Yes, they were tired. Are they out of shape? No, I don't think they're out of shape. But you look, especially that defensive line, look at LSU's best defenses. It's always started up in the trenches. And LSU's won a lot of games this year against quality teams in the trenches. But what's important is that rotation is big. That's why you have this big defensive line class coming in. And LSU, there's a big drop-off from their first to their second-team defensive line. And I think that's what's so big in terms of why you see up-and-down performances, you know, from drive to drive against uh, teams that run the ball well is the difference between your first and second team and even some guys in the third string that come in in rotation. And, look, this is one of those games where I think a and going to try to run the ball, and it's going to be big to see a guy like Tyler Shelvin, who, against Ole Miss, I thought was absent. I think this is one of those games where he's going to have to be pretty big. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm still laughing at him blowing up the uh, punt uh, up men. That was last great. Week. That was. Yeah. I, I watched that, and, and that's like it, it, my jaw was open for a good minute and a half. That <laughs> uh, was. I'm sitting in the press box, and I'm I'm sitting there elbowing. Uh, you know, Brian Lazar's on my left. I had a, a guy from the Revley on my right, and I'm like, Joe, see it? I'm like, no, I didn't see. It. I'm like, holy crap! I'm like, 
you know, because everybody's watching the ball and they're, you know, looking at the return man. I'm watching Shelvin go up the middle, and and I mean, he's just having fun with that. I mean, uh, if you're if you're a, a, a special teams guy up man for a and M, and you're watching that film, I mean, what what do you? Uh, how much are you flinching Saturday night? Right. <laughs> hey, when, yeah. When you look at that, though, to me, that speaks to the volumes of how, you know how good of an athlete he was, the five star he was, and I'm watching that. He, that's a very big man there, Mike and Charles, that he, he's able to do that, you know. So, I mean, it does speak volumes no, for, for Tyler. And look, and, and if you can talk about all oh, this defensive lineman has a motor and, and use all the, you know, uh, all that term, all the terms and that you talk about when you talk about great defensive linemen. You can have all the motor you want. Uh, today's defensive linemen that are over 300 pounds, uh, you're asking a whole awful lot of them to be – on the field for, you know, uh, uh, you know, 50, 60 plays a game, carrying that kind of weight and muscle, you know, you're asking them, those guys to be endurance athletes. Yeah. You're, yeah, Mike, that's, you're absolutely right when it comes to that. So that's why I say if I had to pick a, uh, uh, MVP, you know, for LSU on defense, it's Shelvin or Stevens for me. I just think he's brought what LSU needed that we didn't have last year, Mike that guy in the middle that can just kind of clog things up. I just think he's important. He's going to be, he's going to be important. Charles made a good point against Ole Miss. He disappeared. He did. He didn't have a great game. And you've seen it that week of practice after he was frustrated. So it's going to be extremely important for Tyler to have his type of game against A&M. And Josh, think about that. Think about the kids that we're talking about. How many, think about who the key, some of the key players are. Shelvin. Stevens, who you just mentioned, yep. Thaddeus Moss, Thaddeus Moss, Clyde Edwards-Solaire, uh, and, and I'll even pull him out. But let's just say those first three. three of the, those three guys there it, it, at one point in the last year and a half were being written off as bus. Thaddeus Moss' name would come up, and everybody would say, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, right. uh, he, of course, he had a out of year, injured. Uh, is, is he ever going to be a guy? You know, we know he's Randy Moss's son, but what, you know, yep. uh, Tyler Shelvin with the weight, uh, you know, there was a stretch there early last season where there was rumors he might, you know, he was getting fed up and might leave. And yep. uh, look, look, what, look what's happened to him. Uh, Jacoby Stevens, uh, you know, getting moved here and there. And, and, you know, all of a sudden Georgia game last year, it, the light goes on for him. And now look at him, all SEC caliber player. Uh, you've got multiple storylines like that. Clyde edwards Lair always being told that he's too small and not fast, no breakaway speed, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, 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 that, that's what's really has made this whole season fun is that you've got so many storylines like that where there, there's kids and Orgeron. It's, it's a whole deal. It's a whole storyline all in one of, of everybody in the media including myself on, on a few of them where we're all eating crow. Um, but it's fun to eat crow when you're seeing good people have success um, and people have worked hard and proven, proven people wrong. So uh, it, it's, that's, what's made this, you know, it's, it's always enjoyable when you're, you cover a team that's uh, undefeated and number one ranked for a good part of the season, but it's also where you're seeing hard work uh, and piss perseverance pay off. Well, look, I want to talk about this before I get y'all's picks for this week. I, I kind of want to get y'all's opinion on A&M, you know, a team that paid a, a coach that LSU wanted, like LSU flirted. You know, a lot of us thought 
Jimbo would have been the next coach at LSU as Les Miles' tenure was going down. And now he's at A&M. He's going into, you know, the, we're looking at three years after he's been coaching there. And this team is, you know, yes, this is their third number one team they faced when they played him. But this team, it seems like, isn't trending upwards. It's kind of staying flat. It's plateauing. What y'all's just take on A&M as a whole in terms of a program right now? Go ahead, Josh. Look, I, I look at A&M and when they bring in Jimbo Fisher, you know, when you follow their recruiting, I think he's doing a solid job. I think but what scares me about their program is what happened at Florida State. That That's what spooks me about them. You know, you like to look at the body of work, offense coordinator for LSU, national championship. Go, I get all that, you know, and but what how it all unfolded at Florida State. I go back to that and man, it was just a bad look. The team quit on him. Now he goes to A&M and has a flat kind of – we all knew that coming to the season was going to be hard for A&M to have a successful season. The schedule, like Mike said, was the hardest in the country. You know, they, they, they couldn't pull an upset. You know, we got one game left, LSU. Will they do it? Maybe, maybe not. But I look at it as whole as – I want to see if Jimbo, following this year, Charles, if – if he can get those guys to start trending back up, he's brought in some nice athletes. He's brought in some, some top, top guys, not necessarily a crazy good athletes, but he brought in enough to be successful. So that's what I want to see. And it spooks me a little bit because of what happened at Florida state. And he had some studs, man. He had some really good players there and it went downhill fast. So I think that's what, what I'll be paying attention to moving forward with this program is can he continually trend them up? Cause you guys know, Texas A&M, you paid a lot of money to win, to go seven and five. You can't keep doing that there. So the pressure will be on. Jimbo knows that. And when the pressure got on at Florida State, man, he fell off a cliff. Mike, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I I look at it, uh, and that's something I talked with Olin Buchanan about yesterday. Um, You know, I said, you know, preseason, yeah, you knew that schedule was just unbelievable. But was anybody predicting seven and five? Right. Was everybody – and and you know was any, or was everybody thinking nine and three would be ideal? You know, um, I I don't know if they thought that uh, two games would be you know they would sneak in and get two games that they that, that nobody thought they would get, but that Auburn loss was one that that really when they had Auburn at home, in order to have a, a season that really I think met expectations, they needed to have that win over Auburn at home, and they didn't get it. Um, and so now they're, they're, you're, you know, I was telling somebody two weeks ago, I said, boy, they bet they better not mess up against South Carolina. Cause they're, they're looking at six and six, you know? Um, but you know, I, I think next year with uh, talking to Olin about it and what they have coming back and the schedule being a little bit more favorable, um, you know, you know, is nine and three acceptable 10 and two. I, I, I know Billy Lucci in the preseason was, saying that that uh, he thought next July at SEC Media Days that A&M uh, would be picked to win the West. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I'm wondering if he, he if he's, if he's re, if still thinks that or if that's something that, that they would he was reevaluating. Because to me, if you're predicting A&M to win the West next year, uh, you would have had to have broken through with this, and with, with this schedule and gone at least 9-3 and three or 10-2. and two. Um, instead, you're looking at seven and five, and um, and it's, it's you, in, in, in order to you know look uh, who you, 
just off the top of your head, are, are you picking LSU to win the West next year? I think you still pick Alabama, don't you? Yeah, you have. I mean, you have yeah, to. Yeah, I think you'd have to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with LSU's schedule, and, and you're going to Auburn, to Florida, right. to A&M, uh, Alabama, of course, the success they have in Tiger Stadium, uh, you know. Texas but, at home, but it, it's still a difficult you, schedule. Yeah, nobody's going to part the Red Sea for A&M to, to win the West. So, <laughs> and it, so, so then I look, I, I look at, at in recruiting, and I'm like, okay, I see what LSU's doing recruiting. I know what Alabama's doing in recruiting. Uh, I need to go really, you know, disseminate what Auburn's doing. Um, but, you know, you can't you can't uh, get ahead and, and think about winning the West and really being a legitimate contender if you're going to let a guy like Zach Evans get away. Those kind of guys in your backyard, you can't let that happen. You, you know what, what what's going on, and even with Texas in, in that state right now, is what happened in Louisiana the past few years is, yes, look, A&M's having good classes. You look at what they did in 2019. They finished with the fourth overall class, according to 247. And then in 2020, uh, right now, they're sitting at six. So they have good classes. But when it comes to the top-level talent in the state, they're getting some of those guys. But the guys at positions of need that they really need to keep Teams like Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, Georgia are coming into Texas and taking that talent away from A&M. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 that's something else I broached with. You know, I went and, and, you know, before LSU played Alabama on their message boards, two-thirds of the fans were, you know, saying that they, they wanted Alabama to beat LSU. And, I, I mean, if the shoe was on the other foot, I think every LSU fan would be pulling for A&M to beat Alabama. Um, and, and, and so, but their rationale is recruiting, how close it is, you know, et cetera. Well, that, 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 that barn doors was open way before, you know, that was before A&M even joined the SEC. You know, right. LSU's success in Houston, Houston, East Texas, Dallas a bit. Uh, that was already going on, I, and I don't know if those numbers have really increased. Uh, you know, you go back and look, you know, class by class, and, and look at the numbers from Texas. I think they're probably still about the same. Um, uh, I think what is what it's really done is uh, it, it's not what it's done A and M. It's it's killed Texas because um, LSU and Oklahoma is in a state is, is like they've always been, um, and then you got Baylor and TCU having more success. Um, I, I think that's more, most more, really hurt Texas more. But, um, uh, I, but I think overall, it's like it, it, at some point, if you're uh, getting back to the Jimbo question, you know, what point are they? Do they demand a trip to Atlanta? You know, it, it, you know, what are their expectations? You know, you, you you know, as an athletic director and as a businessman, if you're going to go hire somebody away that has a good job. You're, you have to overpay to get them, you know. Well, you had to overpay to get Jimbo to Texas A&M, just a fact. Um, you, weren't hiring a mid, you weren't hiring a mid-major coach uh, that has success in, the, in, the, in Conference USA or the Sun Belt. You, you were hiring a coach with a national championship. It had just gotten a raise because LSU raised the price when they thought they had him in 2015. So – and then you offered him a, a multi-year guaranteed contract. Um, but if you're A&M and you go year by year by year 
and look at the wins losses and the and the, the winning percentage, what are the true expectations, particularly now being in the SEC for a number of years in the West with Alabama, LSU, and Auburn? Um, you know, I, I, is uh, over a four-year period is 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 nine and three, averaging nine and three, uh, good enough? I think it probably is if you're an A&M fan, but I think every fourth or fifth year, uh, when you're paying that kind of money, uh, you you need to be expecting a, a, a trip to Atlanta, and that's that's why Les Miles got fired. That's why he got fired at LSU. How exactly. many years in a row as an LSU? How many years in a row as an LSU fan were you willing to accept not going to Atlanta? Which is something LSU is doing this year. And look, you talk about the recruiting impact. LSU is looking to add two maybe three, five stars before this class is over. And I think that that just goes back to the A&M argument is, look, A&M, you have one, two, five stars a year. But you look at teams like Clemson, Alabama, when they're bringing in five plus five stars a year, that elevates them to a new level. And then you look at scheme. You look at the coaching staff. Look at what LSU's done offensively. Do you think that what A&M is doing schematic-wise is hurting them, not only in recruiting, but game planning against other teams? Uh, I Josh, you tackle that one. <laughs> um, no, I, I I don't think so. I think because it's it's not hurting him because Jimbo's got he's got the pedigree, Charles. I think he you've seen what he's done. He's a national championship coach. You know, I just think like Mike mentioned before, Charles. I think it it really really goes back to that. Like he said, the door has been open there already. And when Texas A and M joined the SEC and. I, you know, how we, can, we ain't got to get into all that. But I just think LSU has been getting guys from that area and from the state, from Dallas, from Houston. And those kids see that. Those kids there say, hey, you know, my buddy, my cousin, you know, hey, remember such and such? He went to LSU and became a stud. He went to, you know, Alabama and, be, and became a stud, whoever that is. So I just think it, it's more that, Charles. They're going to have to swing that hard their way. How they go about doing that, Mike brought up a good point. A guy like Zach Evans, you can't let him get out your, out your backyard. Zach Evan comes to LSU next year. He's in his offense. And let's say he becomes a stud. I mean, that, that hurts. That really hurts. We've seen that, you know, at LSU under Miles losing some of those battles. So, you know, I, I just – I don't think it's more of a, a scheme thing at all. Jimbo knows how to coach football. You know, he's been really yeah. successful. So, I, I don't think it's – yeah, And look, he's got Haynes King committed, uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Yep. He's still attracting quarterbacks. But now, but now LSU is. I mean, we got Caleb Williams in this weekend. Got Garrett Garrett Nussmeyer uh, yep. uh, with high interest in LSU and and and, and Luke Altmaier at Starkville and and the the quarterback board and, and for LSU is is so you're matching Jimbo in that department where that was his you know his mo was being able to recruit quarterbacks and coach them up and uh, well now LSU's uh, got that same where you got every quarterback from coast to coast taking a look at LSU and saying hey. Uh, I want to get, you know, if my family can afford it, I want to go down there for an unofficial visit. Or I want to go to one of their junior days in the spring or camp next June. Uh, it was already the greatest uh, quarterback June I'd ever seen at LSU camps. I can I can just imagine what this coming uh, June is going to look like with the quarterbacks that they bring on campus. So um, you're, you're matching him in, in that department. Um, it's just, you know, LSU is just a whole different animal. Uh, it, 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 Jimbo was real candid Monday at his press conference when someone said, what is it about LSU? And he's laying it out like it's the flagship university, the passion, the, 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 the fan base is uh, all about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, 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 both my sons were born in Baton Rouge. And I mean, he knows it, 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 it's a, it's a whole different, and, and I'm not 
saying A and M. I, I have a respect for every SEC school and their different quirks and 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 game day traditions and this and that. But when kids come on campus, uh, in particular if you've got good weather and it's a night game and you got the food going and the fan base and and all the the, the trappings that come along with it, you just can't. Uh, you, you, if you're an opposing coach recruiting against that, and LSU's having the kind of success they are, and Orgeron is, is getting, uh, you know, everybody in the country is in love with him, and, and the whole, the, the 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 you know the voice, and it, it, you're you're fighting an uphill battle against LSU right now. It, LSU is truly the, the hot and sexy team. So uh, if a kid from North Shore or uh, wherever in Texas makes their way to, to Baton Rouge. And they're down on the field in pregame, and they're getting they're sampling the food, and um, uh, you've got an uphill battle if if uh, they're not locked in or they're not a legacy to your program. Yeah, no doubt. Well, look, let's go ahead and get picks in for this game, Josh. I'll start with you first. How do you see this game going, and, and give us a score prediction? You know, I look uh, when I look at this, I think that Texas A and M is going to have some success. Similar to how some of the other teams have against LSU's defense, I do think we'll see a defense kind of like Arkansas. They'll play with high energy. I think they have something to prove. Uh, I think they'll come out and want to show the rest of the country that, hey, you know, we're, we're not that Ole Miss defense. Believe me, we have NFL guys on, especially in the linebacker in the, in the secondary. Um, I see it kind of playing out, Charles, in kind of typical to some of LSU's games. I like it 48 to 48 to 24. I think oh, uh, they're going to have a little success early on, but I just think LSU's too much, has too much offense, and I think they'll keep the pressure on Texas A&M, and A&M just don't quite have the guys that can keep up. Um, and just say they won't be able to score with them. But I do think LSU's defense does play a pretty solid game, especially stopping the run. I think they're going to make it a point, like against Arkansas, that they're not going to get ran on. And Fulton and Stingley are just – they're coming along, man. These two first-round NFL cornerbacks – they're coming along really nicely. You see how they're playing. That I just think uh, A&M would, is not going to have the success they would need to score 45, you know, 45, 48, 50 points to, to beat an LSU. 48 to what is 48 to 24, LSU wins. Mike, how do you see this game going? Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the same range with my score. Um, I think LSU's defense is is going to heed the call because of what's happened this week. I think it's going to be very motivating for them. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to play much better, but I still think A and M is going to have some success offensively. Um, I could see this. I have forty-five twenty-seven LSU. Um, so that uh, has LSU covering the spread, forty-five uh, twenty-seven, and I even think that that last touchdown that gives A and M a twenty-seven uh, might be a late one uh, when the game's really uh, out of hand. So. Um, look, I could be wrong, and this one ends up being, you know, 45-38 or something like that, but I, I don't see it happening. I think LSU really wants this one bad. I think they're motivated after being dropped to number two in the playoff rankings. Um, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to have another big night. Um, you know, they, like <laughs> Jimbo, you know, uh, his eyes are big because he knows uh, you're watching other defenses throughout the season, you know, say, all right, we're going to double chase. No, we're going to double Jefferson. Well, okay, no. Uh, uh, then all of a sudden, here comes Edward Tiller catching balls out of the backfield. Here comes Thaddeus Moss. Uh, you, 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 you're, you're, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And then if you have it all covered, then here, here comes Burrow with a run. So, right, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they want uh, Burrow to get hit that much this week. But I, um, 
I think, you know, Burrow's such a gamer and he's so competitive. Um, I think he's going to want to lay the wood to Texas A&M. So um, I'm going to go 45-27, and that, and, and that last touchdown uh, that gets them to 27 is a late trash, uh, a, a, late, a, a late score in cleanup time. Yeah, look, I, I think this game is a lot of emotion into it, and, and I think that you already saw it last week, the comments coming out that LSU wants to take care of business, something I do think they will do. But in years past, this is one of those games that would make you nervous in what LSU does when they come out of the gate. But I don't think you have that problem with a guy like Joe Burrow and a guy like Jacoby Stevens on the defense. I think both sides of the ball will be gamed. They will be geared and ready to go. I actually think LSU does better than that. You know, I, I see LSU putting up 49 to 52 points in this game and holding Texas A&M to 24. I think LSU wins big. Uh, I don't think there's anything that stops Ogeron from taking the foot off the gas pedal. Uh, this is a revenge game for more than one reason. Uh, that whole night was a disaster for this team, and they haven't forgotten. But all of us have LSU winning big. And look, go ahead, Charles, finish up. I was saying all of us have LSU winning big this week, and I think there's a reason why, and and that's a lot to do with what happened last year. And then put LSU at number two, that's even more motivation that this team really didn't need, but keep adding it on. I'm all here for it. Yeah, and look, and there's some things behind the scenes. We know what happened at the end of that deal uh, last year with, with, with Damian Craig running his mouth. Yep. Uh, you got a lot of ties here. Uh, you know, I was looking at their roster uh, Josh Henson, who uh, who I absolutely loved at LSU, was the recruiting coordinator, tight ends coach on the left miles from 05 to 08. He's there. Austin Thomas, uh, Bradley Del Pivato. Um, I don't know about analysts. I'd have to go see what their analyst list is. But there's a lot of Louisiana flavor there. Of course, Jimbo uh, spent time in Baton Rouge for a good while. And uh, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But that Damian Craig stuff last year, um, I, I, I could tell you, when when Orgeron had that look in his eye like he had, uh, you know, the, the whole we're coming thing that he likes to do, uh, it, this is like times three uh, or to the third power, uh, <laughs> how much he wants to, to, to lay the wood to A&M. So, um, um, but, you know, look, A&M's going to be motivated as well. They, uh, they, they don't want to uh, – they'd love to uh, finish better than seven and five. Yeah, look, I agree there. Uh, Mike, what do you have coming out this week on your website? Where can people check some of your stuff out? Yeah, go to tigerbait.com. Uh, we always offer a one-week uh, uh, trial period for one buck. You're up and running in a minute and a half. And uh, we tell people that we recommend the uh, annual package. Saves you over $30, $99 a year. Uh, but get on the site. Try us for a dollar if you don't like it. we got a phone number you can call. We're the only premium service that has a phone number that you can cancel the other uh, uh services uh uh you know good luck trying to cancel they they, they make it uh, difficult for you um so but uh we, we we we've got a lot of recruiting coverage i got a war room that i posted two days ago with a ton of info in it we got our all-day chat that we do every wednesday that uh we're conducting right now and and uh got recruiting updates in the in the hopper got that uh, q a uh, behind the scenes with uh, uh, Olin Buchanan with Tex Ags, more pregame coverage, all our game coverage. We got it all for you at tigerbait.com. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on. Josh, where can people find your stuff at? 
Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter uh, at LSU Ball Truth, and then you can check out the website uh, LSUFBallTruth.com. Um, I'll be putting up all the shows. Uh, be hopping on a couple more shows this week, getting prepared for Texas A&M. So I'll have that up on the website for a lot of people that listen to our pod um, and a lot of you know the fans that follow me. Little Mike, Mike does quality stuff, guys. You know if you if you don't check him out. Check out his website. Uh, one reason that you'll like Mike and what he does, he gives you the, uh, the feel, not not the national rivals, 247, you get them in the national guys. Mike's going to give you a feel on the ground, you know, in Baton Rouge, a local feel, and he's really going to tell you what's going on with some of the high school games and all that. So if you, you guys that listen to the pod, follow me. If you haven't had an opportunity to follow Mike, uh, you know, go out and do that, man. Mike's going to give you more on the ground, the local feel. And that's why I love listening to, uh, to Mike and with some of the stuff he does. So, yeah, definitely give him a follow and check out his website. Well, make sure you all follow appreciate Josh. Of course. Yeah, Jeff, appreciate the kind, word, appreciate the kind words on the site and, and really have enjoyed talking to you guys today. And anytime you need me, give me a holler. I'll, I'll be ready to roll. Oh, will do, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Make sure you all follow Mike on Twitter at Scarborough Mike. Make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at LSUF Ball Truth and follow the Primetime Podcast if you don't already at Primetime underscore pod. But for Mike Scarborough, for Josh Lemoyne, my name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy Saturday's game. It'll be the last time uh, you get to see Joe Burrow in Tiger Stadium. Uh, also, happy Thanksgiving, and as always, God bless.